if you're up against your fellow agent and it's a battle for getting the listings and you walk into that appraisal and they already feel like they know you because they've seen you on video, they've had all of those psychological cues, all of those mannerisms and everything like that to create that connection and they have not seen your competition on that, like in video, have not been able to form that that connection with them, who are they going to choose? Hmm. Like they've already sold themselves. That's why you're getting invited in. They've already sold themselves that they've, they think they can trust you. So essentially, you've just got to be authentic and true to what they've seen on video and in action and live up to that standard that you've set and you've got the business. You're listening to Elevate, the official podcast of elite agent for real estate industry sales professionals, property managers, and leaders. With thanks to our partner, Connect Now, Elevate brings you the best tools, thinking, and strategies to elevate your results. To download your written action guide from this podcast containing extra tips, links, and shortcuts, visit EliteAgentElevate.com. And for more information about how Connect Now can make moving easier on your clients, Visit connectnow.com.au. Here is your host, Samantha McLean. Welcome to another episode of the Elevate Podcast, where we delve into some of the most interesting minds in business and in real estate for the very best tips and strategies for you to implement to elevate your business. I'm Samantha McLean, editor of Elite Agent and host of today's show. My guest today is a Facebook certified media planner, founder of Check My House Price, and the chief digital strategist at Market Buy. Welcome to the show, John Hellaby. Thanks for having me, Sam. It's great to have you with us. You're probably, I think, one of the most qualified digital strategists we have to draw upon in the real estate industry because I think I read somewhere that you trained at Facebook Asia Pacific HQ as part of an invitation-only small training program. Yep. Yep. So that was 2017, that one. Yeah, that was. Well, that's not that long ago. But before we get into that, I want to go back in time a little bit because you were a real estate agent yourself from yes. 2009 to 2012. How did you get your kickstart into the real estate industry with a background in IT? Right. So that's not a short story, but I'll try and keep it as brief as I can. My father was one of the most awarded investigative journalists in the Southern Hemisphere in his time. He was responsible for uncovering the corruption in the State Bank of South Australia. That led to a three-year court case. There were all sorts of craziness and stress on my family, death threats and crazy stories behind that that I can share over a beer, without, but that's not the point here. So we sort of asked him to get out of investigative journalism. He moved into IT journalism. So he ended up being a pioneer in gaming tech reviews industry and, and news industry and covering it. And at one time, his editorial syndicate that he'd built had a readership of about 11.8 million people in the Southern Hemisphere. What this meant for me was that from about the age of 10, dad would have me playing video games and he would literally watch me play a video game and then he'd go and write the review because I could get so much further than him just being a kid and <laughs> naturally take to these things, right? What, what an awesome dad to have, can I just say? <laughs> <laughs> well, it did. I mean, it, it, it sounds amazing. And the story gets even better because he, he taught me to write. And so by the age of 13, I was actually writing and I was writing tech reviews and, and articles and things like that. And I was actually being paid well for it because he decided to give me a start, so to speak. And back then, if you were a syndicate writer or journalist, you were paid by the word, right? It wasn't an hourly rate and things like that. So dad would charge the papers by the word sort of rate. And then he would split that with me, depending on how much editing he had to do to my article and, and things like that. So... I built up this really incredible technology just by being hands-on. Like I, I got to play with the first gigahertz computer that ever came into Australia, and it was a gateway machine. I don't know if you guys remember gateway. The you know their boxes looked like they were cows and things like that. I'm old enough, yep. Yep, that's it. <laughs> I, I, I realise now that I'm starting to show my age. Um, and I mean the the thing was it was it was a an AMD gigahertz chip because they were the first to have the gigahertz chip that came in. And my instructions were were not just to review this thing, but to put it through its paces and see if I could break it. Now, as a 14-year-old kid, I was like, I can break this thing. So I literally got to play with new tech and put it through its paces and see if I could break it or freeze it or, or whatever. And, and in all fairness to AMD and, and uh, NVIDIA at the time, it was a GeForce 256 graphics card in it. I ran Quake 2 and it took me something like 128 bots in the world you know, that I was having to fight against before the system started to choke up, which was incredible for, for back in that day. And so I was 16 years old being paid the equivalent of about $90 a review and it would take me two hours to do a review. And I did this right through until I was about the age of 25. But it then sort of morphed in my late teens, early 20s, where I started doing IT tech support because through 
just doing what I was doing for my parents' company, I'd become the on-site approved warranty technician for any of the equipment we had, like HP, Compaq, all these different brands. Like, yeah, yeah, JH can handle it. And so I went into tech support and things like that. I was in tech support until I was about 28, just before, at which point the business had taken off massively, but my eldest son had just been born. And I'd been doing 16 hours a day, seven days a week, and a whole bunch of things sort of happened at once. I, I had lost my largest client, which was, was worth a fair bit of dollars to us. At the same time as I hit burnout, and the same time my, my then partner, who would later be my wife, now my ex-wife, turned around to me and said, hey, you've got this kid here and we never see you what gives like this is not on something needs to change and and she was right it absolutely did and so when that all happened i handed the remaining clients over to my head technician and basically walked away from the company i took a month off and then i went and became a courier for about 18 months and just just to bring money in and that sort of thing and, and had a pretty decent courier run and during that though i fell off the back of my truck and i hurt my back i hurt my hip and there was a couple of dodgy OHS things that happened where I ended up doing some damage to my shoulder and elbow and all sorts of stuff going on. And I messaged my cricket captain, Jason Savage, who's all properties group. And I messaged him at the time because I was still playing cricket and said, what does it take for me to get into real estate? How do I get into real estate? Because at the time, like I was on a hundred grand a year. I needed, like I had this young family. I, I'd now had a second son at this point. I needed to make sure I was able to feed them. The, my partner wasn't working, so I wanted to make sure she could remain a stay-at-home mum until the boys were at the appropriate age that we'd agreed we'd send them to daycare and all that sort of stuff. And so I needed a job where I could earn 100 grand a year, but technically I've got no qualifications. I've got all the experience in the world, but even to this day, aside from my Facebook certification, I've got no qualifications. Like, and, and everything I do have, is, it's industry qualifications. There's nothing that, you know, I'm, I'm a university dropout if, if we want to get technical. Right. And so I, I messaged my crew captain and he said to me, well, you start in October, go and get your license. This is the link and this is what you need to do. And so I did. And I studied my backside off, got my license. And from about November 2009, I think, if I remember correctly, is when I was actually formally recognized. I started with him in the October, but I started in, in a, a non-selling, non-buying assistant role where I was essentially just his shadow and, and following around and, and watching and that sort of thing. And then, yeah, I ended up in real estate, selling properties and, and enjoying it. But I hated prospecting, I hated cold calling. And I got into an argument with him one day because he wanted me to cold call and there was no way in hell I was doing that. And he said, well, if you can find a better way, then then you can do it. But until then, pick up the damn phone. And so I built Check My House Price. <laughs> yeah, well, I was, I was going to say, it's, it sounds like you've got, when you've got that much tech in your blood, I feel like we've got very similar stories because my background is technology with people like Cisco and British Telecom and stuff like that. And in the real estate industry seem to naturally veer towards technology solutions and things like that because they come naturally to me. So I was going to ask you about check my house price so tell me about how that idea came about and how that works there's context here right like i because of everything that happened when dad was an investigative journalist and the family being under threat and all that sort of stuff i ended up battling ptsd from about the age of, of 13 undiagnosed through to about 34 was diagnosed and then found some incredible treatment and people that that helped me get through but in this timeline, you know, you need to remember, this is now 2009, 2010, right? I'm 28, 29 years old. I'm in the thick of this battle, the, this, this two-decade battle with, with mental health. So the thought of picking up the phone or going and knocking on someone's door of a person that I didn't know, it terrified me. Like, it paralyzed me. The anxiety around it was phenomenal. You know, it, I, I could sit there and for 10 days try and do this and I might be able to get myself and, and buck myself up to make three calls in 10 days because it, the anxiety of it was just so paralyzing. I feel like there might be a lot of people listening and nodding right now. Yeah, and, and that's it, right? Like, and, and nowadays, like I, I can do it nowadays if I want to, but I absolutely, I hate it. And, and look, I'm not going to lie and say, it's, oh, I'm over that. I hate it for a different reason. There's a big part of my past that's in the reason I hate it. But the other reason I hate is I hate people ringing me, right? <laughs> so I look at it and I'm like, I don't want to do to people that I hate doing to me. Like, send me a damn text message. Market it to me on Facebook. Market it to me via email. You know, be clever in it and get my attention and make me come to you. Because if I want something, I'm going to come to you if you put the right message in front of me, yep. right? But don't interrupt my time. Like, if you call me and interrupt my work... I lose 20 minutes either side of that call, right? Yeah. Because I've now got to realign my brain. I've got to get back into the groove and everything like that. If you send me a text, cool. I'll read it probably at about eight o'clock at night because then I remember, oh yeah, I got a text and check it out. And if it's of interest to me, I'll come back to you. 
Jason, full credit to him, like he knew, like this is a guy who had been in real estate 20 years at this point, he'd built his business, he'd done it the hard way, door knocking, on the phones, hard slog, like full credit to him. And he, he manages his database incredibly well. And that's what he wanted for me, right? Like my, my dad had just passed at this point and, and he said to me at one point, he took me under his, his arm very much and he said, look, I kind of feel like this is, this is my place to help you where your dad can no longer help you and I really want to do that. But there was just no way that I was going to cold call. And so it all came to a head one day and, and we had this argument and I remember the look on his face because Jason very rarely gave up on anything. Like he's, he, he would always find a way to win and often he'd, you know, convince you that it was your idea. But in this particular case, he just couldn't budge me in and he went, pick up the damn phone and start calling. And I said, there's got to be a better way. And he says, well, there's not. And until you find a better way, get on the damn phone. And threw his arms up and walked out, right? And I sat there and I went, right. So I jumped on like freelancer.com or one of those sites and reached out to this this developer. This He was in, in Greece and he built the first edition of Check My House Price. Cause, and, and initially, Check My House Price actually started out as findmynewhome.com.au, find my right? Because I was thinking, I want a dating site to match buyers with homes. But what Jason sort of said to me, and, and it was very true, is he says, buyers will always find their own home of their own accord anyway. They'll go searching for it. You don't need to match them. What you need to do is find a way that you get the listings so the buyers come to you, because the listings attract the buyers, right? And so that was where my brain started to go and, and check my house price came out of that, essentially. And in the first, the first year, I think I did about 75,000 gross com out of it. Obviously, I didn't see all that because, you know, part went to the office. And then it just sort of spiraled from there. And, and it's actually 10 years ago yesterday, we took it nationwide. Well, I was going to say, what's happening with it now? Because there's a lot of agents out there right now that are doing similar things. They're sort of saying, text me your address and in three seconds, I'll tell you what your, your house is worth. Is that essentially what Check My House Price does? No, no. no. And that's, that's the cool thing. And that's the difference in the market, right? Like everyone's moved more and more towards these automated, rapid sort of glossed over reports or suburb overviews and things like that and they've got their place 100 percent. like please don't think i'm disparaging them at all it's just not what we offer like our our whole philosophy has been we're for agents we're here to help agents also one of the reasons why i'm heavily involved in market buy because there's that there's that same philosophy we are here for agents and so what we wanted to do is we, we never wanted it to be an automated house price report we wanted it to be the agent on the ground because we know with the automated reports you can never be fully accurate. And like the, the best example is the market we're in right now. Mm. The prices that you have to compare to last week are not accurate this week because yeah. the market is moving so fast. Demand is so crazy and everything like that. Now, in a normal market, right, where we're, we're just cruising along, the numbers that you're basing your comparative off can be up to three months old. Right, because it's got to go through lands, titles, and all that sort of stuff, and come back through RP Data or a price fighter. And that's why RP Data is on the phone to agents say, Hey, what did you sell that for? What did you sell that for? Because they're trying to get that data faster than what they can get it through other channels. And, and full credit to them for doing that, because the faster they get the data to agents, the more accurate agents can be. So we wanted to have one agent per postcode who would be able to provide that report specifically for that postcode that's their farm area because they know the data better than anybody else does because they're in it living it every single day, which mm. meant that they could provide the best possible up-to-date reports. And in, in doing so, they'd be able to pair up with the homeowners, they'd you know build the relationship, build the trust, show that they're not one of these dodgy agents that, you know, managers stand up on a current affair and things like that. And so when the homeowner does come to that point where they're like, hey, I'm ready to sell, if that agent has built the relationship correctly and built the trust, well, there's only one choice. It's this, this person is my agent because I trust them and I know them and, and I don't want to get three others because I know I can trust them. And so can agents still use Check My House Price now? Yeah, yeah, it's still, still yeah, there. Yeah, it's, it's, it's still there. It still runs. It's and and I'm still involved in it. It's just because it's such a well-oiled machine and our processes are nailed in. My partner Sian runs the day-to-day -day of it, and my job is is strategic. I'm I'm kind of that CEO sitting there overview going right this is the direction we need to move if there's a major issue come, that comes up I'm the guy that designs it and and Sian implements it and you know we've got we've got CB who does a lot of the visuals and everything like that we've got Rick who works in the development side so 
across the team, whatever needs to happen, I'll, I'll create the plan and they'll execute it. And we've been doing this together now for, for quite a few years. So it's, it's just a really well-oiled machine that, that frees me up quite nicely. And the guy that says, you know, the phone works, how's he doing these days? Is, is he convinced now that, that there's a better way to prospect? Look, I've never tried to convince him that. I'm, I'm a firm believer in whatever works for you works for you. Like mm. if, if it's not broke, don't fix it, right? Yeah. Like I provide an option. Check my house price as an option for prospecting. And if you're someone who is a, hey, the phone works, I'm like, great, use the phone. Add this and we'll handle this to you and it just brings you more leads, right? Yeah. And you don't have to do anything. But it's, you know, if, if it's working for you, that's your mojo. Don't, don't ever mess with what's working for you because someone else comes along and says, hey, you should do this. Mm. You know, we're all different. Exactly. So moving on to most recently, you're now the Chief Digital Strategist for Market Buy. Firstly, how did you meet Dave Stewart? He was a check my house price client, believe it or not. <laughs> Small um, world. I think I met him at an event or something like that. And we connected on Facebook and I started to learn about Market Buy. And so we're going back 2016-ish sort of time frame, maybe 2017 now like back in the very early throws where he, he had like a beater of it essentially and it was working. He was using it for himself, had a couple of clients on board and stuff and we started talking about it. And the, the funny thing was is in 2010 as an agent and, and an agent with a tech background, I had written a rant on Facebook, right? Because I, you'll remember this, Sam. Back in 2010, so it was probably 20, 2008 through to about 2014, 2015, everybody that created any sort of product for the, the real estate industry cried out that it was a, dis, a disruptor. It was the Uber. It was the Uber. Everyone it's was the Uber. disruptor of real estate, right? Like, you know, companies would build in a portal that was basically just a copy of the portals that were already there with one or two tiny tweaks and stuff and go, it's a disruptor. And because of my tech background and the fact that I'd covered so much disruption across so many industries for so many years, and, and the fact I'm Aspie, so certain things get under my skin and, and I go on a rant about them. <laughs> I wrote this rant, right? And I finished this rant turning around and, and, and I was a little bit foul mouthed. I mean, I'm being on my best behavior here, but I, I do have a bit of a potty mouth naturally. And I turned around and I said, until I can buy my next home from my mobile phone, you're not a disruptor. So go jump. Mm. Right. And then, so that was about 2010, 2011. And 2015, 2016, 2017, I'm not quite sure on the timeline. I've come across Dave and, and Market Buy. And here it is. And I could literally log on and I could negotiate the sale of my next home from my mobile phone. And I'm like, finally, we have a disruptor. This is awesome. This changes the game. And I, I wrote a post saying as much, you know, at, at the time in that and, and may have even sort of cheekily gone. And I'm glad someone else did it because if we weren't, if we didn't have one of these in the next two to three years, I was going to have to make one. And so for a couple of years, I, Dave and I just built a, a friendship and, and, you know, mutual respect in that because it, initially it wasn't even that I was going to be involved. It was just, I just wanted to help. Like this was, it's such a cool platform. I just wanted to help. And so I would happily be a sounding board for Dave. He'd ring me up and we'd chat about stuff. And I go, well, have you thought about, hey, what about this? Hey, this is what I'm seeing. And and we'd just bounce ideas. And he'd do the same for me with Checkmine and, and other, pro like at the time I'd, I'd worked on CRMs. I'd worked on some of that, you know, that voice voicemail technology that goes straight to voicemail and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and worked on that. And so we'd, we'd just been bouncing ideas and, and collaborating essentially and just, you know, mates helping mates out. And then it would have been about 2018. I'm trying to get my timelines right. No, it's 2019. 2019. An opportunity came up for me to get involved. And so I came on board as, you know, in, in market buy and, and my, my official title is, as you say, chief digital strategist. But what I actually do is it's probably more akin to a general manager as well as a, a marketing guy and chief digital strategist. But that's what all of us in the company do. Like we're all wearing multiple hats and, and doing incredible things. And so I, I came on board. I then had an opportunity to invest into the company. So I bought into the company as well and then, then brought more investment in. And yeah. And then of course, we went, we went overseas, took it to the States. We've had a couple of sales in the States and are still testing and prototyping over there. And uh, yeah, now here we are, 2021. I think we've seen something ridiculous, like 400% growth since the beginning of the year. Last year was it was a tipping point. There has there was there was really good growth, but 
what's been insane is that this year the the high point that we got to last year we've now doubled month on month and i think i think we're we've just passed like three and a half thousand agents have access to it now which is which is just fantastic let's talk about we talked about your facebook training a little bit earlier on so i'm just wondering if we can dive into that because facebook is pretty topical right now oh yeah in the past you've designed and executed campaigns that have you know, wide range of products, everything from market buy to real estate to meat pies even. Um, <laughs> that one was my favourite. <laughs> well, I was going to ask you what your favourite one was. It's, it was. Yeah, look, it, it's, it's the meat pies campaign, I think, just because we created some incredible content for that and, and it was just this little bakery. It was actually, so it was uh, one of my, my real estate clients, their husband had just bought a bakery down on the Gold Coast and, and had asked us to help out. And so we got in and... I mean, one of my favorite things is, you know, I like to help good people. I hate seeing good people struggle. There seems to be so much rubbish out there and, and so much unethical stuff that happens out there. I hate seeing good people struggle. So we jumped in to help these guys and I got to sort of pull in all of the assets and, and the team members that I've built up over the years. You know, the video guys were incredible. And I mean, those video guys now, like they work on a lot of the stuff for, for Springfield. So, you know, the city that they're building out out of East of Ipswich, they work for those guys and, and produce a lot of their video content and everything like that now. Like that's the level of quality we had. And so we created we created this campaign and the whole idea was around they're the best pies in Narang, as voted by a local, right? And we had this bloke, Kev, who came along. We, we did an open call to, to contacts and people in the local area and said, hey, come down. We're going to be filming. If you're willing to jump on film and, and give us a, re- you know, on camera, a bit of a review, we'll feed you and, and we'll have a bit of fun. And there's this guy, this old guy, Kev, he would have been like 65 or something. He's gone, yeah, the best pies in Narang. And so that was the tagline, <laughs> best pies in Narang, as voted by Kev. And we took them through the whole process of how the pies were made and they were using local ingredients and all this sort of stuff and doing the cut the pie open and all that. And every person I've ever shown that video to has, has immediately wanted to go out and buy a pie. And so we pumped that out and we, like we had- I think we I'll had, one now. <laughs> you know, that's it, like I can see in the video and you will. <laughs> but it's, it's we, had, we only had like a $300 a month budget for it, right? Which is, is nothing. And we managed to- to create two to three new clients every single day who would come in and spend on average, you know, 15 to $20 per purchase. And the beautiful thing about it was, is they were back the next day and the next day and the next day. Cause it was such a good quality bakery and, and the goods were that good. And, but it was just the fact that even to this day, like we're talking four years on, four, maybe five years on, no, four years, cause it was 2017. I can show that video to anybody and they have to go and have a pie. Yeah. What do you think the equivalent to the meat pie video is in real estate? It's a tough question, I know. It is, but the answer is simple and probably going to be unsatisfactory. And and the reason for that is, the reason for that is it's the same answer that I've been giving for five years, and and it works. It's it's a it's a slow burn, and if you're patient, it works. If you're looking for wham bam, thank you, ma'am, let's get it quick, it's not going to work. But my goal. And, and I believe an agent's goal should always be to become the obvious choice. Their marketing should set them up so that when someone goes, I need an agent, they think of that person and only that person, right? But one of the biggest issues that still plagues real estate, and I've now been in this industry for 12 years and nothing has changed, is real estate agents love to chest beat. They love to tell people how good they are. And, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying they're lying about it or anything like that. Like, they, they are that good. They've got the awards. They've got the results. But the second I come to you and say, hi, I'm the best thing since sliced bread in this space, the natural Australian status quo in our minds, the natural Australian place to go in our minds is, yeah, whatever, mate. <laughs> yeah, right? that's true. And through social media, we have an ability that we have never had in marketing before social media came along. We have the ability to show people instead of telling people. So the answer to the meat pie video in terms of what is real estate is to film yourself in action and forget the cameras there so that you are authentically you. You are doing what you would do naturally and normally in every single sale every day of the week without thought, without question, Mm. right? Because in showing People can judge for their own, for themselves with their own eyes because seeing is believing. The second you tell them how good you are, they don't care. 
it's just a natural Australian way. Like we're we're a country that we tall poppy syndrome has literally spread to the world outside of our like from our country. We are the ground zero for it, right? So the second you go, I'm amazing, people go, Yeah, whatever. But if yeah. you show them what you do, they make up their own minds. And the really cool thing about that is too, is if you're being authentic, right, and you're doing what you would normally do, there are people out there who go, I don't want that. And that's actually a really, really good thing, right? We want people to go, I don't want you. Because those people and you are not going to mesh particularly well in the transaction. Like, yes, you'll get a transaction, you'll make money, but it's going to take you a lot more time and effort to execute that transaction to the level that you expect of yourself because you don't have that person working with you, right? Their values, expectations are different. By you being authentically you on that video and showing rather than telling, you attract the people that share the same values as what you do and who want what you have to offer. And that's going to be an easier, smoother transaction. Easy, smooth transaction is an efficient transaction. Efficiency means you can do more of it. And there's your pathway, right? There's your pathway to greater profit, greater growth, and all the rest of it. And then, of course, over time, you develop a reputation for operating in that fashion and people will seek you out. It's almost like, you know, and we've said this to agents a few times, you've got to market your marketing. And that sounds it sounds like a weird phrase, but I know you'll you'll get what I mean. Yeah. Is that there was an article in the Courier Mail quite recently about, you know, agents and their flashy things and unfortunately that's what people see. And I do think the antidote to that is what you're saying, which is, you know, being authentic, being real actually showing people how hard you work because most agents are really, really, really hard workers. Oh, absolutely they are. But, okay, so there's there's two things at, at play here, right? Number one is a lesson that I learned years ago, again, thanks to Jason Savage, who hooked me up with a whole lot of Brian Tracy business tapes. Like, there's so much that I've learned and, and that I implement that has come from what Jason either put in front of me or gave me, and a massive love and respect for the man. But it, it was this Brian Tracy tape. Brian Tracy said what people forget is people quit people. They don't quit companies. People quit people. By the same token, people hire people. They don't hire companies. They don't hire brands, particularly in real estate. People hire people. So if you're being true, if you're being authentic and you're being a human being, people can connect with you and they can, they can basically, they feel good in hiring you. Yeah. So what about Facebook at the moment? Because there's been a lot of changes with like iOS 14 and what do you think is the golden age of marketing over? Because it was sort of like, you know, Rafferty's rules like a little while ago where you could just retarget anyone and cookie anyone. Now, now it's all changing. You still, you still can. It's, it's not over, right? From my understanding. And look, what I'll, I'll preface everything I say here with a giant big asterisk. As qualified as I am in this space, even Facebook don't know the full ramifications of these changes yet, right? So what I'm going to say is not to be taken as gospel until it's been proven out in the marketplace. This is my opinion on what I've seen and what I expect to happen, what I've seen happen myself. And, and I want that out just for the simple fact that, I mean, with digital marketing, Sam, as you would know, digital marketing is always a moving target anyway, right? We're always split testing. We're always test, 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 review, right? Yeah. And, and tweaking and all that sort of jazz. What I have found... What I have found, and, and this is where I can give what I feel is some pretty solid advice, keeping in mind where we're only about two to three weeks into the Facebook algorithm change, is, is this. going Sending people off of Facebook to, say, a landing page or website at the present point in time is where issues come into play because Facebook can no longer track iOS users anywhere near as effectively if they've opted out and stats out of the US say 96 percent of people are opting out right wow that's a lot it's a lot now look in all fairness there's a bit of NLP at play here right Apple turns around and says hey Facebook wants to track you across websites and everything you do on the on the internet would you like to let them yes or no I mean <laughs> when that when the question is phrased that way despite the fact I know exactly what they do with my data I get that little gut squeeze that says, hell no, no, mm. we're not playing, you know. So I'm not surprised the number's 96%. I've seen the question. It's not a good one. It's not, friend, you know, asked gently at all. They've had their scripts and dialogues training. <laughs> oh, yeah, they have. And they've, they've warped them to their own ends. Like, you know, and, and look, 
we'd, we'd be foolish to think there's not some sort of corporate war going on. Like, we don't know the details of it. But these moves are deliberately designed to undermine each other, right? So we'd be fools to think that there's nothing going on behind the scenes. But if you're sending them off of Facebook and they're on an iOS device, Facebook pretty much loses tracking ability if they don't opt in, right? They're allowed to attract, track one event. If they stay on Facebook, you maintain the ability to track in, from my understanding, as it currently stands today, right? This And this may change. The reasoning for that is any tracking that happens for behaviors on Facebook, whether they go into Messenger, Instagram, et cetera, any of the Facebook platforms, is that is happening server-side on Facebook servers. So it doesn't matter what Apple try to block from the device, if the device is accessing something from the server of Facebook, Facebook can track that. Make sense? Yeah. I think that your strategy, your funnel strategy is going to change. And you want to be drawing attention on Facebook. And then you want to be directing people who have engaged in a positive way on Facebook and directing those people off to your sales sites. You are then going to have to track manually. Now, there's a whole host of third-party tracking capability and things like that that Apple can't stop because the third-party tracking happens server-side on your server. They may just not be able to link it back to the specific ad campaign, right? So there are other options for tracking there. In terms of real estate, our strategy shouldn't change too much. There are very few real estate agents that I've come across that are tracking and retargeting effectively. Real estate agents should be using video anyway And this just reiterates that. If you want to retarget people with an offer, an invite to the open home, with an offer of a free suburb flyover report, whatever it is, your options now are either capture their attention with the video and retarget off the back of the video or get them into Messenger. I was going to ask you about Messenger, like thinking what what else is in the Facebook ecosystem and Messenger is the obvious choice too, isn't it? Absolutely it is. We've, We've had... We've had mixed success since the, the algorithm change with one of our campaigns. So we, we developed a competition chatbot product. And before the change, it was producing 100 leads per campaign like clockwork, right? Absolutely fantastic. And qualifying them as well in terms of their home ownership status. Post that about 50% of our campaigns are hitting that, that 100 lead mark. The others are still hitting decent numbers, but we're trying to figure out exactly what it is that's preventing that. So we're about to run a whole bunch more testing before I take on a new flight of clients for that. The beautiful thing about the chatbot, though, is you're staying within the Facebook ecosystem. Mm. In staying within the Facebook ecosystem, you're giving yourself the opportunity to further follow up and retarget in marketing. But most importantly, and this is the second, the second part of the equation, is this has illustrated how important it is for us to convert people from social media audiences, followers, likes, video watches, whatever, into name, phone number, email address in our database. Mm, exactly. And through that chatbot, you can gain that information. Like you can request that information. They can give it to you. Obviously, there's got to be some incentive there for them, whether it's their booking in for, for an open home, whether it's a competition, whatever it is, there's got to be incentive for that for them to give up that information. But then you can get them off Facebook and get them into the database and get them into your follow-up systems and everything like that. And I think that the, it's a subtle shift because agents have been, oh, I'll send them to my website and show them the property and that. And you still need to do that. But you need to also now really think about how can I get them out of the social media sphere and into my database? Because the one thing this has illustrated to all of us and reminded us is that we don't actually control the data that's in that social media sphere. We don't control the data until we get it out of that and get it into our own database. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's it's great advice. I mean, it was it was always the right advice, even you know, like a couple of years ago. But it's just become much more. It's it's become much more strong advice now. Particularly, it was, you know, it was convenient to not worry about it because it was always there. But yeah. this has illustrated that it's it might still be there, but our access to it, how we can use it, interact with it, how valuable it is, is completely completely at the whim of others. So if I was an agent and I came up to you now and said, John, I know I've got to get this social business under control. I've got no idea where to start. What would you say step one is? Step one is video. 
Step one is always video. The reason for it, right, there's, there's a number of, there's a stack of reasons, but I'll, I'll try and keep it to, to the sort of key ones. Facebook still favors video over any other platform. Video is the most interactive type of content on social media as a general rule. You have video platforms like TikTok and that that have risen to, to massive sort of user bases purely off the back of video. They don't even have text-based posts and things like that, right? Number one. So video is vital. Video also gives you the ability to retarget and to sift through. So video acts as a top of filter that allows you to filter out the people that are not interested, right? Now, rule of thumb, the average amount of time that people will watch any given video on social media or on Facebook in particular is about 28 seconds. If you've got a two minute real estate video and they watch 90 seconds of that, they've just given you three times the amount of time they're willing to give anything on average. So therefore that denotes, denotes a certain level of interest and we wanna retarget them to follow up and see if there's further interest, maybe put a call to action in front of them, right? So video allows us to do those two very, very important things from a, an infrastructure strategy level. The third reason is a human and social engineering and psychology reason. And that is that in video, everybody that engages with a video or and watches you on video, they get absolutely everything that they need to form a one-way psychological connection with you. Now, if you think about how we interact person to person, right, the Jason, again, I call back to Jason Savage. He's had a huge influence in my life. I love the man to death. He, he said to me once, he said, speaking is only 20% of the message we give. Hmm. Right, the words we say and things like that. We've got tone, we've got body language, we've got all of our mannerisms and everything like that, right? And on a subconscious level, we take all of that in when we're communicating with anybody standing face to face. Now, it's one of the reasons people get into arguments and comment sections on Facebook is because it's just text and there's none of that. So we can't understand yeah, context yeah. or tone or anything like that, right? Yeah. But on video, like even now, the people watching this video now, they're seeing a certain level of my mannerisms. They're seeing my head movement. They're seeing the way I hold my lips, my head, my eyes. Occasionally, they see my hands move, how my shoulders set. They're they're taking all this data in about how I'm communicating and deciding how they can connect with me based on that information, right? And they're judging, they're creating an opinion of me, they're creating a, a decision as to whether I'm trustworthy, whether or not they should listen to me, all these sorts of things, right? So I don't even know who these people are, Sam, and every time you do one of these podcasts, the same thing is happening for you. People are making these decisions without even realizing it about you. So every time you're on video and you're showing yourself an action, rather than standing there just talking, there's a nice house behind me. I mean, actually showing yourself an action, doing what you do, right? And, and if you'd like, I've got a fantastic video I can send you of an agent doing exactly this. He takes behind the scenes of, you know, when they're doing photographs and everything like that. And, and it's an incredible video. I've used it in training for years. And, and he'll love the notoriety that it yeah, gets him I'll, as well. <laughs> a, absolutely. We'll drop it in the show notes. Um, but the key thing is, from that person who's on video, or in this case, your marketplace will get from you everything that they need at a psychological level to form that connection, that emotional connection with you. Now, if you're up against your fellow agent and it's a battle for getting the listings and you walk into that appraisal and they already feel like they know you because they've seen you on video, they've had all of those psychological cues, all of those mannerisms and everything like that to create that connection. And they have not seen your competition on that, like in video, have not been able to form that, that connection with them. Who are they going to choose? Hmm. Like they've already sold themselves. That's why you're getting invited in. They've already sold themselves that they've, they think they can trust you. Yeah. Yeah, right? absolutely. You're the benchmark the other guy's being passed against, or the other the other agent, I should say, is, is being passed against. So essentially, you've just got to be authentic and true to what they've seen on video and in action and live up to that standard that you've set, and you've got the business. Yeah. I'd never thought of it that way, actually, because but it's true. Like, if someone feels like they know you, then the person that they don't know is always going to be compared to what they know you know she doesn't do it that way or you know all of human psychology every bit of discrimination and everything like that that comes into play is because they're different to me right that's we are trained we have been trained instinctively like we're going back into a like a primitive cave man cave woman kind of mindset our reptilian brain 
has been trained to go, that's different to me, therefore it must be dangerous. Yeah. Until we learn about it. And then we learn about it and we realize, oh, hang on, it's not, it's not dangerous, it's all good, right? So all of, like, this is why people go, well, it comes from ignorance and fear. Like, all discrimination comes from ignorance and fear. Because once you start to get to know people or know the situation or know the whatever it is, that fear melts away because the ignorance melts away, right? So essentially, and, and it's not going to happen where you walk in and they're like, oh, g'day, John, how are you doing? And he walks in and it's like, what are you doing here, Dave? You know, like, it's not going to be like that. But it's this really subtle psychological sort of underlay that happens that they don't even realize it's happening, that you don't even realize it's happening, so long as you're just being true to you and, and you're being authentic and what they see is what they get, right? And that's, that's so important, right? What you put on video has to be who you are. Yeah. Right? What you're getting from me right now, Sam, and I know I've done a hell of a lot of talking, but if you put a beer in front of me at a pub and ask me these questions, you get this from me. This is, this is what you get. Probably get a few more swear words in all fairness, but I'm doing my <laughs> absolute best to respect the, that I'm on the Elite Asian podcast, right? Yeah. Like, there's, there's a certain amount of respect with the, the brand and things like that that I absolutely want to uphold and I'm, I'm on my best behavior. But the, the point is you'll get, you'll get the same mannerisms, the same level of enthusiasm, the same passion, the same frustrations, the same just because that's who I am. Yeah, right? absolutely. So you've got to be that too. And if, if what they see on video matches with what they see in that presentation, forget about it. Mm. Like you will get more business than you lose for that simple fact alone. And it's the fact that they already feel like they know you. And if they already feel like they know you and they're, if they're inviting you in, then they already feel like they can trust you which means the two biggest hurdles in getting the yes in real estate don't exist for you. They're gone. You've blown them out of the water before you've even met them. I thought we might end with a couple of rapid fire questions, if that's okay, because <laughs> I, I remember you and I had a bit of fun during LJ Hooker Accelerate last year, Yeah, where there was like a heap of questions from the audience, and I'm, I'm sure you're probably going to get a few more over social media now. Hey, John, tell me about But <laughs> All right, so a, a, couple, a couple of questions that, you know, have come up recently among our readers. First of all, should you have someone doing your social media for you? Yes, because your job as an agent is to list and sell and you do list and sell better than anybody else. That is your most dollar productive productive activity for you to become a social media guru. I can teach you how to do it, but I've been teaching this for, for four or five years now. And I can tell you right now, 95% of agents don't actually implement a lot of what I teach because they don't have the time to and they don't have the inclination. Their love, their passion is listing and selling. And I'm a firm believer in do what you love, right? You'll always be more efficient, more effective in there. But... There is a big, big, big caveat. Make sure you get someone who knows what they're doing. Make sure you get someone who is going to show you authentically, right? The whole novelty aspect and everything like that, like that's cute and it lasts and like you get some results quickly, but it's not something you can do longevity, like long, over the long term. The other thing that I will say is be patient. And I know this comes out of the mouth of Gary Vee and a lot of agents follow Gary Vee and it's, it's one of the things I firmly agree with him on and he's 100% right. Be patient. If you want to win in this game, you don't win by getting an influx in your inbox this month or next month. You win by building an unassailable position. To build an unassailable position takes time and it means building your name and your brand. It means consistency and presence and it means becoming the only obvious choice in your marketplace. That does not happen overnight. So be patient and be authentic. Next question. If you're an agent right now, what digital channel would you focus on? I would be Facebook and Instagram would be my number one. I would be playing in TikTok. And, and the reason I'd be playing in TikTok is because I think it's it's demonstrated now that it's it's this juggernaut. I have privacy concerns with TikTok, you know, which I know saying something being that Facebook's been in the headlines for privacy concerns and all that kind of stuff. But I, I definitely have privacy concerns with TikTok and what happens with that data. However, I would, I would be having a bit of fun on TikTok. It's not... TikTok's not natural for me and my personality type. Like I'm, I'm very linear. I'm very, as, as scattered as I can be and as much as I can just go blat, verbal diarrhea and things like that, there's, there's always a very linear progression in my thinking. It's just sometimes I don't tell you what the steps are. I jump from step one to nine, right? Yeah. So me being silly and, and doing funny things on TikTok, like my, 
my sense of humor is a dark, smart-ass sense of humor that's not necessarily good in the public space. So I just, <laughs> if I'm in public, I'm like, let's be on my best behavior. I'm not going to tell those jokes or be that, you know, bring that smart-ass out, you know, because it will get mistaken. It will get mistaken. So, yeah, look, it's, I think, too, in Australia, LinkedIn is being underutilized. I've started playing in that space, and I don't think it's super effective for getting conversions, but from a brand positioning piece, from a, a getting your message across and getting heard, I yeah. think that it's it's fantastic. And so I'm, I'm playing there. So look, there'd be my four. I think Snapchat is has been and gone in Australia. Twitter is one of the most toxic places I've ever seen in my in my life. And so just on sheer grounds of I don't want to deal with that, I won't be on Twitter. You know, if I am on Twitter, it's just purely because I want to see what NFL players are doing what so that I know whether or not to drop them in my fantasy side. That's it, yeah. yeah. Final question is, you know, if you could stop agents from doing one thing on, on social media, what would it be? Stop memeing yourself. For the love of God, stop memeing yourself. <laughs> Do- doesn't work. <laughs> <sighs> the worst one is where they take other people's quotes and put their name to it. Yeah. Not only is that now unoriginal, and and but it's also you're memeing yourself. There's a certain amount of your own Kool Aid as an agent. You need to drink. You're in sales. You have to have the confidence to to be able to get up and do what you do every single day, right? Without a doubt. But you've got to know when that confidence, where that limit is, because mm-hmm. once you go past it, once you start pumping out quotes and believing that the the words that come out of your mouth are somehow prophetic and and world changing and things like that you've gone to a realm that it's very very hard to come back from and try to be polite (laughs) but i mean i've already opened this can of words right like can you tell this is a bugbear of mine yeah it's i will literally mean myself to take the piss out of people memeing themselves because it it drives me so nuts and you know if you've got something to say then by all means say it like I, i'm not saying don't say something incredible but you don't need to be a meme because the second and it's it's in the format i, th- I think actually in, in talking this through i think i've figured out what it is that gets right under my skin right the second we meme something it's no longer authentic mm. right a meme is designed to to appeal to the lowest or not the lowest sorry to the largest denominator it's it's designed to to hit that which of course is exactly why they do it right but it gets away from the authenticity. If, if you are genuinely authentic and you genuinely mean something, right, then tell the story of it. If you want to say, take what I've said several times today, let's, if you want to say, you know what, you want to be successful, be authentic. Hmm. Don't meme that. Instead of memeing it, tell the story of why it's important. Give yeah. the additional details. Add a picture, of, for sure, add a picture that's going to get attention. But instead of cheapening it with a meme that is, is designed as a, a comedy use and has been purloined by real estate agents to make it a marketing tool and things like that, right? And, and you know, by the way, Facebook jumps all over them and, and it doesn't go particularly well in the algorithms because quite often, you know, they're pump, an agent who'll meme themselves will also pump out their good, you know, welcome to Monday or whatever. And then thank God it's Friday and, and it's all that rehashed repetitive sort of stuff. Facebook hates repetitive content. But if you have an original picture that is emotive and is going to gain attention and, and, and capture people's attention, and then you tell the story, now you're cooking with gas because you, people can now connect to what you're saying and they can understand what you're saying and they can take the lessons in that story and apply them to your own life. And you can have the impact that you want to have. But by just memeing it, it's like you're throwing away a comment and going, you know what, I'm going to say this and it's prophetic and it's profound and it's amazing and all this sort of stuff, but I'm not going to give you any other detail because you have to elevate to my level to understand this. Mm. But it's also taking the easy, it's taking the lazy option, isn't it? Yeah. Someone's, someone's already done that stuff and it might take a little bit longer to create something original, as you're saying. Anything yeah. worth doing, right? And, and this is all about, like, people hire people. People don't hire you because of your brand. They hire you because of who you are, yeah. right? So show them who you are. If that yeah. quote means something to you, tell them the story of why it means something to you. 
give credit to the original author. If you don't know who the original author is, just say unknown. Don't put your name on it. Like, <laughs> Absolutely. Like even yeah. even if you, you're pretty sure that you actually created it and have been saying it since you were 13 years old, unless you've got absolute categoric proof, just put unknown, you know, and then explain the story and why you've always said it and why it's been such an important, you know, and people will connect with that. Well, John, it's been amazing having a, a bit of a chat through the the history with you today and and it's been a ride. Um, yeah it has been a bit of a ride <laughs> but there's a question i always ask everyone at the end of the podcast and that is you know if there was something that you'd like to leave everyone with what would that be but i know that you and dave are doing a bit of touring of the at the yep. moment and you've got you know you've got an event coming up and stuff so yes. where can where can people find you catch up with you all of that sort of thing so obviously if they want to catch up with me in person it's outbreak we've got outbreak coming up this friday may 14th and just for for a bit of fun i'm going to be bench pressing Chris Gilmore for charity. So we're raising funds for Bowel Cancer Australia. And, and that's not the whole of Outbreak. We've got some amazing speakers. We've got Peter Brewer. There's uh, Mark McGill, Ryan McCann. There's uh, Joe Mooney, Tara Christensen. You know, so we've we've got a host of incredible people speaking. And it's, it's designed as a very, very different event where it's actually hosted on a rooftop bar. So there's no conference rooms. We're at a rooftop bar. The whole idea is for the speakers will, will sort of give some wisdom of their hard-fought trials and successes and stuff like that and, and the tribulations and battles uh, and they'll only speak for about 15-20 minutes and then they'll be networking in the crowd with everybody else um, that's, where, that's where all the good stuff happens it's LobbyCon, right like all, all the best stuff always happens at the bar the mingling lobby. so that's that's what we've <laughs> tried to, to tried to recreate but other than that if, if you can't make the outbreak you can always find me on social media facebook.com forward slash john dot dot one if you want to catch up send me a message or, or whatever if you've got any questions by all means and and look in answer to your, your question that you ask everyone, Sam, that you mentioned, I think the number one thing, and, and I try to do this as much as I can, I fail as often as I succeed, but, you know, it's about daily improvement, is, you know what, just be kind. Be kind. Always approach everyone from a, a position of kindness. And if you can do that, kindness and understanding, the world will be a better place. Yeah, that's great advice. John Hellaby, thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Sam. It's been a pleasure. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Elevate with thanks to connectnow.com.au. Don't forget to download your written action guide from this podcast containing extra tips, links and shortcuts. Visit EliteAgentElevate.com.